Tanya for the 13th of Shvat. First, a story. The mayor Magoilis would travel from village to village, helping out all the different complicated halachic problems that would come up with the local rabbis. And he was a big Tamil Chacham, and he would travel around from city to city, village to village, making sure that everything was, you know, the hard questions were addressed too. And one time he was in a coach, and the coach had the Baal in it as well. And he had heard of the Baal Shem Tov, and now he got his chance to meet the Baal Shem Tov, and he told the Baal Shem Tov, we're almost at the city that we're both going to, how about we walk to the city instead, and that way we could talk with each other. And so that's what happened. The mayor Magolis stepped out, the Baal Shem Tov followed after, and they walked along the road. And the mayor Magolis said, I've heard about all the great miracles that they say in your name, but why are you called a Baal Shem? Why is your name Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov? Why the name Baal Shem? And the Baal Shem Tov answered back to him, he said, I have the ability to read people's minds. I could see what's going on inside of people's minds. And therefore, I'm called the Baal Shem Tov. So the mayor Magolis said, okay, if that's the case, then tell me what am I thinking? So the Baal Shem Tov said, you're bothered about something. Every single Matzah Shabbos, you've been in, in the bracha of Atachinen, you've been forgetting to say Atachinen Tanu. And it's really troubling you, and it's been happening for a bunch of Matzah Shabbos back to back, and you don't know what to do about it. And Mayor Megillus nodded. He was, he, the Bashantav was absolutely right. So he said, okay, so what, what's the answer? How come this is happening to me? And the Bashantav said, you're not having enough patience. So many people come to you, you're very, very busy. Each each person comes to you with another question and you're dealing with so much, but you're being too hasty and, and not enough patience. You need to take it slower. You need to take each case with more patience and then that will solve that problem. They both arrived at the city. The Barshantov went wherever the Barshantov went and Mayor Magolis moved from that city to the next city and, and continuing along his, his, his journey with all the different stops. He reached a different city, and as he's approaching the city, he sees the Rav waiting by the edge of the city. So he asks the Rav what's going on, and he says, I have a really problematic halachic shaila. I've tried my best. The halachic questions come to me. I've tried my best to try and answer it, and I'm realizing now that it's entirely beyond the scope of what I'm able to handle. I need you to take over at this point. So I remember going to said, okay, what's the story? And he said like this. He said, there's a man in this city who's under serious question of doing um, very inappropriate behavior, and he insists that he's innocent, and the other party insists that she's innocent as well, and all the signs point towards them being guilty. And at the same time, I can't try them. I can't, there's, there's no more evidence, and I can't, I've told the party to wait. I've told them all to set aside. I'm going to try to get expert help. But there's no more evidence to be brought forth. At the same time, it seems very clear that the man has done some really questionable, inappropriate behavior. He needs to be punished. At the same time, there's no hard evidence that he's actually carried through with it. So he turned to Mayim Magolis and said, Mayim Magolis, what do we do now? So he said, bring the people there. He, the Mayim Magolis starts questioning, questioning the people involved. And both the people that are involved absolutely insist that they're innocent. At the same time, all the evidence points to them being guilty. And at some point, Mayim Magolis got upset and said, you know what? I have no choice. I'm going to flog you. Either, either you admit that you've done something wrong, or I'm going to, I'm going to flog you. I'm going to whip you until you admit that you're actually wrong. And so that's the man said, I'm still innocent. And so he said, okay, we're going to whip you. And he started whip. He got someone to whip, whip the person that looked like he was very guilty. And at some point, he realized the man wasn't going to admit. And so Mayor Magolis says, okay, there's nothing to be had over here. There's no more evidence to be brought. And Mayor Magolis left. And when he left, he kept thinking in his head, he thought, if the Balshemtov was here, the Balshemtov would have just read the people's minds, and that would have been the end of the court case. And sure enough, he sees the Balshemtov's wagon approach his own wagon. 
So he goes to Bashanda and says, what's going on? And Bashanda said, didn't I just warn you to have more patience? And, the, and Mayim Agarilla says, what do you mean? And he said, the man that you just had whipped is, is a Tzadik Nister. And they've decided in Shemayim, because you humiliated him, because you hurt him, that you're going to die. And so Mayim Agarilla said, okay, what do I do now? He said, turn around, go back to the city, find this Tzadik Nister and apologize and, and beg him to daven on your behalf. And that's exactly what happened. Mayim Agarilla turned around, went back, found this man absolutely apologized and, and, and told him that he was so sorry for harming and humiliating, etc. And at the, from that point, and the man forgave him. And from that point, Remei Magredas became a fiery chassid of the Baal Shem Tev. Today's topic of the Tanya is a direct continuation of a direct continuation of what we've been talking about the previous days. It's, we're finishing off the idea and we're trying to explain that in spite of the fact that this world exists and while we don't feel and see God in this world and we said there's nothing other than God and everything else is, is nothing, there's nothing other than God, this world seems to run counter to that. So we said this world, how is it created? By the word of God. God used words to create this world. So what the objective of this chapter of Tanya is to explain is how distant and how removed God's word is from Hashem himself. Because the further we could, we could take the word of God, which is the word of God of this world, the further we could show how insignificant this world really is in comparison to God. And the best way to explain the distance between Hashem and his words is to explain the difference between ourselves and this world. And the last point we were mentioning at the end of yesterday's, we were talking about the fact that that in the brain, there's words. The Bashenta was able to read them, in the, as in the case of this story. We, regular human beings can't read the words, but there are words inside of the brain. But today's Tanya is going to continue on this topic and explain that's where the words stop. That's where the idea of letters um, Finish because deep when you get deeper inside the psyche of a person, letters don't exist over there. Let's begin. The personal way the person is, the levels of the person, they don't have zeros and ones. They don't have um, words, and it's just the person. A person's wisdom and a person's emotions, the chesed, the kindness that a person exhibits, or naturally exhibits, not his actual behavior, that's that's way, way further away. But the fact that he's naturally, like you see people that are naturally kind, that kindness doesn't have um, uh, words and letters. It's just, it, it is what it is. And the distance between a person's thoughts and the natural tendency of his soul is so far and distant apart. And again, that's helping our objective of trying to explain how distant God is from the words that he used to create the world. La A person has a feeling of love. How do, you, how do you define a feeling of love? You can write a million poems and a million odes and a million um, books and you won't describe adequately what love and fear is because there's no words to describe it you could you could describe how it translates in your mind the feelings that your mind starts the zeros and ones that that are that are triggered in the mind but to describe a love and fear before it gets to the mind how do you describe that there's no letters there's no way to describe it if someone desires something it's a desire that's all it is there's no there's no um definition to it 
so what happens if, well, let's say a person, for example, a person hears music, and then they say, wow, that music was amazing. I would love to have some more of that. That desire is so, un, un, uh, it, it first hit the brain. The brain said, oh, this is wonderful music, incredible. And then they have this desire to have it. There's no, there's no words to describe that. There's no definition to it at all. It starts off in the mind, and then it makes itself into an emotion. And then from the emotion, then it starts to, once it actually downloads into the brain, the brain starts to think about it, practically making plans in the brains, in the mind of the brain. Okay, this is how I'm going to listen to another concert. I'm going to go and listen, I'm going to get, get a ticket. I'm going to, and suddenly the person is brainstorming. And then he speaks and he says, okay, I need to buy a ticket. And then he goes. The distance between all of those steps and that progression are so far apart from each other. Daltreb is saying... And this is actually a Mashal Bashemtov, that the distance between God and this world experiences that distance as well, but of course, trillions and billions and uncountable times more. Once a person has the state of desire, I say I explain this outside, but I'm also explain this again now that we read the, read the words. Once a person has that logical understanding and then the desire, those things can't be put into any form of words. There's, there's no words to describe that. But once it then downloads into his mind and he starts to think about it on a practical level, then he actually experiences definition. Then there's actually words going on in his brain. And yes, your average person who's not the Baal Shem Tov and able to look, as we said in the story, in straight into someone's head and understand what's going on inside their brain. But a regular person can't be in touch with it. But nonetheless, there are zeros and ones going on inside the person's brain as he plans and understands and contemplates and develops the idea of whatever he wants that desire to be. Whether it's in the case of listening to music or whatever it is, he starts to think, okay, this is what the music means to me. This is why it's so important to me, etc. And he develops it. At that point, there's some form of definition. But the distance between every level, and this is the point, we're finishing chapter 20 now, the the idea that we're we're bringing across, and to make a summary of, of what we want to explain over here, we're trying to say... Until now, the Tanya explained how it's close to every single person, very close to every person, to accomplish a love and a fear of God. How? Because all a person needs to do is say, I'm willing to die for God. Well, there you go. It's easy. Because that feeling that a person experiences when they're willing to die, it just comes naturally. And then now chapter 20 to chapter 21 and 22 and 23, 24, all going to be going along this pathway, trying to explain how do we activate that desire to die for God but without a gun to a head and without having this life and death situation, how in a normal decision where a person says, should I have a pig steak sandwich or should I not have a pig steak sandwich? Then he says, you know what? I'm willing to die for God. I'm not going to do it. There seems to be a vast difference. So in order to get there, we have to start now painting this beautiful picture of how God relates to the world and God's connection to the world and how dear every single mitzvah and every single avera should be to us. And it should be equally important to us having a, a pig sandwich or or making a bracha on food in the positive level as us giving up our life for God. Thank you so much for joining the Tanya Tanya Tanya.
Elizabeth Leia, and anyone else who needs to for Shlema. Have a wonderful and very successful day, and thank you so much for joining.